Hello, my name is Sarah Booth. I'm a patient with lupus. This podcast is for people with lupus and lupus-like illnesses. It gives some general information about how the immune system works and how the body normally protects itself against viruses. It's the first of two podcasts and it touches on what we know about COVID-19 and lupus. And there's more of this in the second one. It is produced by Lupus Science and Medicine, a BMJ journal, the Lupus Foundation of America, and we're also grateful to Lupus UK for commenting on the questions we've reviewed. We're not giving medical advice. As you'll already know, lupus is very variable and every patient has an individual drug prescription and patient treatment plan. In the course of the two podcasts, we will cover all the drugs that people with lupus may take. So there's likely to be drugs mentioned that you're not taking because your doctor doesn't think it's right for your particular sort of lupus. During the podcasts, we'll repeat several times that you shouldn't change the way you take your drugs or the dosage of your drugs without talking it over with your specialist doctor or team. If you're concerned about your medication, your illness, or what you need to do to protect yourself from COVID-19, look at your national guidance and that produced by your local specialist team or get in touch with them. Sarah, first I'd like to ask you to say a little bit about the immune system and how it normally works. Immunity to infection is something that's that's very old in evolution. Um, plants have some kind of immunity, um, ancient uh, fishes have some kind of immunity. The human immune system is probably the most complex um, uh, in evolution and it's designed to recognize uh, things that are foreign that don't uh, belong in our body and uh, set up an immune response to get rid of them Um, and that basically for us means either uh, pathogens uh, bacteria or viruses that are going to cause disease or in uh, certain cases, um, tumour antigens, cancer antigens can also stimulate this kind of response because they are effectively foreign as well. It's essentially there to protect us from things that would hurt our body. Exactly, yes. Right. And so how does it get rid of a virus, for example? What, how does your um, body react to a virus it wants to, to kill, I suppose? Yes, so uh, viruses are on the whole uh, very small organisms and they depend entirely on access to our cells in order to be able to survive. So a virus can't uh, reproduce, make new copies of virus without going into our cells and borrowing some of our own proteins and mechanisms to make new copies. So virtually all viruses um, will be living inside our cells. And the presence of the um, DNA or RNA or the the nucleic acid of a virus uh, triggers a response inside the cell that then sets in train the whole of the immune response to a virus. And that takes two broad flavors. One of those is antibodies. Those are uh, proteins that we make that uh, can stick on the outside of uh, a virus that's free in the circulation. And those can often, uh, that's often what we make when we try and uh, stimulate the immune response in with a vaccine. 
because the antibodies can prevent an infection taking hold. But to get rid of the infection altogether, a second um, part of the immune response um, or are T-cells or lymphocytes that uh, can recognize and clear virus-infected cells. And because the viruses are often um, hiding inside our own cells, that's a really important way of clearing the viral infection. So we have one sort, um, please correct me if I'm wrong, we have one sort of protection that floats around in our bloodstream. And if a yes. virus has got into that, it can, it can attack them there. But because yes. the virus really wants to be in the cell so that it can produce more viruses, so that more and more viruses, yes. the other one, the lymphocytes, have to go into the cell to kill the virus. Yes. Exactly. Yes, and there, there is some, some, some of the lymphocytes um, that are generated are called helper lymphocytes and they work to make better antibodies and um, generally coordinate the immune response. And it's those kind of lymphocytes that are damaged, for example, in HIV infection. So when we look at a CD40 cell count, that's measuring the helper lymphocytes. Um, but the, the lymphocytes that actually get rid of the virus infection um, are called CD8 or cytotoxic T cells. And they can recognize cells that have foreign material inside of them. And that triggers a process um, that uh, kills the cell and uh, also uh, releases a whole lot of um, valuable factors um, that control the virus as well. So it's, it's, um, it's lots of different ways that the immune system has to attack a virus. Exactly, yes. And it's all very, it's, it sounds very complicated. Actually, quite a lot of people will, lupus will, will be used to thinking about their CD4 counts. But well, I, and that's what I thought might be, be useful to know. Obviously, people who are taking um, rituximab will um, have a problem making antibodies. Um, so that's the, that's the uh, issue with um, antibodies. Um, uh, and the T cells can be affected by the lupus itself or a number of other drugs um, that are used for, for lupus. So part of the immune system that defends us against viruses is doesn't work as well with some of the drugs we're taking. And, um, exactly, yes. Thank mm. you, that's really helpful. What do, does immunosuppressed really mean? Well, it's a very broad, but not a very specific term. Um, so there are a variety of forms of immunosuppression, um, some that people are born with, some that uh, come from drugs, some that are, uh, are related to other kinds of illnesses. Um, and lupus would be one of those kinds of illnesses uh, where immunosuppression uh, is part of the disease, but not, not the whole uh, spectrum of disease. And that will vary over time as well. Um, so so for, in some cases, it can be a shortage of antibodies. In some cases, it can be a, a failure of the T cells. Um, and it, it, it's not a very precise term. It, it's probably better to try and say specifically what part of the immune system is missing. And if we're a patient, then probably um, that's why it's so important to keep in touch with our own clinical team, because they'll understand more precisely how immunosuppressed we are because there's absolutely yes and range in lupus isn't there yes and and for example if you're taking particular monoclonal um, antibody drugs they may pick off just one very precise part of the immune system and leave the rest of it intact so that's quite a complicated um, uh, uh, 
process to understand and something that uh, the clinicians uh, will uh, un have a good a handle on that kind of complexity. Yeah, thank you very much. Can you say what COVID-19 means? Yes, so I, I think they're kind of clunky names. Um, the, there are two names that have been used um, and, and that were given from a, from a committee uh, which was given the responsibility of coming up with names. So COVID-19 and the virus is called SARS coronavirus 2 or SARS CoV-2 because it's closest uh, relative um, insofar as a, as a human virus is um, the virus name comes because um, the, the nearest um, human infection um, to it is the, the virus that caused SARS um, 15 or 20 years ago. The SARS um, coronavirus um, caused an illness which was labelled SARS, the severe adult respiratory syndrome, um, that caused a short-lived um, but very severe outbreak in uh, China, Hong Kong, uh, Canada, and a few other parts of the world around 15 or 20 years ago. And that's the closest relative of this new uh, coronavirus, at least out of human viruses. Um, when the virus has been um, analyzed, um, looking at its uh, genetic sequence, the closest relative, um, and it really is a very close relationship, is um, a virus that infects a species of bat that's found in parts of China. So the thinking is that this virus was originally a virus in bats, um, and exactly how it got into the human population isn't completely clear, but um, many different kinds of wildlife were sold in the Wuhan uh, market, which uh, was linked with the start of the outbreak. And so it could be that bats themselves or from bats to another animal led to the um, uh, movement of this virus into humans. So there are lots of different families of viruses that behave in different ways? Um, that's absolutely right. And, and coronaviruses are called coronaviruses because they have a, a, an appearance that a bit, is a bit like a crown. Um, they have a very prominent um, structure on the surface, which is called a spike. Um, and with these spikes all around um, a spherical virus, um, it looks as if it's being, uh, uh, it looks a little bit as if it's wearing a crown. Um, and that's how the virus family got its name. And there are many, many uh, kinds of coronavirus that infect a whole variety of um, animals. Um, and a few of those have come into the human population. There are at least four that we know of that cause very mild illnesses, um, often in um, the winter season and the part of the coughs and colds that people get experience um, at particular times of the year. Um, but there are just three of the, uh, of the coronavirus family that have caused severe illness in humans. One was the original SARS. The second is this new virus. Um, and the other um, and virus, which is quite a distant relative of these two, um, has been known as the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome Virus, or MERS. And, and that is thought to have come um, into the human population from bats but via camels and so it's a particular issue in the Middle East um, where there's a large camel population. With uh, a bacteria which mm -hmm. is, um, could, could you explain if the immune system works differently with a 
bacteria and perhaps what a bacteria really is and how it's different from a virus? So um, bacteria are more sophisticated organisms than viruses. Um, they can live um, on their own. Um, they don't necessarily require human uh, cells to grow. So much more often um, they are free um, in the body and not necessarily inside a cell. And the body responds differently. The immune system responds differently to organisms that are free in the circulation. And there the antibody response is much more important um, than uh, the T-cell response. Um, so yes, there's quite a big difference in how the immune system for, recognizes these, these two kinds of organisms and then responds to them. And everyone talks about a, a vaccine for it. We're, we're, um, mm. Is that going to be, why is it going to be uh, difficult to make a vaccine? Because we make vaccines all the time, don't we? Yes. Well, uh, vaccines um, depend crucially on a concept which we call uh, protective immunity. So that means that uh, if you have a small dose of the measles virus, it uh, gives you, a, um, as a vaccine, it gives you a long-lasting uh, immune response that's almost as good as having had measles itself um, in preventing you get, getting the virus ever again. This doesn't happen for every kind of uh, pathogen. Um, and uh, so at the moment, we can't say for certain whether we will have protective immunity against uh, the coronavirus. Uh, we do know that it's likely to um, elicit antibodies and T cells. At least we know that from uh, the first SARS virus. And we also have evidence that this first SARS virus uh, generated T cell responses that lasted for at least a decade in some people who were studied. Um, so that's a good sign, but um, you can't be absolutely sure that that will prevent um, any future infection um, without really testing that um, in uh, epidemiological uh, studies. Um, so if there is protective immunity elicited by natural infection uh, with um, the coronavirus, which everybody hopes that there will be, um, then it, it's relatively straightforward um, to identify the parts of the virus that stimulate that immune response. And what we know from the original SARS infection is that the spike protein, the, the one on the, cell surf, on the surface of the virus, that gives it its name um, seems to be the most important protein, both in terms of uh, antibody responses and also the T cell responses. So the people who are making vaccines are focusing particularly on the, um, uh, the spike protein um, and putting that into various constructs that will uh, produce uh, a, a, the, the right kind of immune response without actually giving people the infection. Sometimes people with lupus have problems uh, making an, uh, an immune response to vaccines, don't they? Yes, and that's a good point. Um, and and uh, it's, it's clearly an issue um, within lupus. It's also an issue as people get older. Um, and this may be particularly um, important because this is a virus that seems to have its most severe effects in the elderly. So... Um, 
in addition to making a, va a vaccine, um, uh, the uh, vaccinologists also have to think about ways of boosting an immune response in people who will really need the vaccine, um, but might not make um, a, a typically healthy vaccine response. So that would include people with um, uh, uh, immune suppression from various um, underlying causes like lupus, but it would also include people um, in their uh, 60s and 70s who may not naturally make a good response um, to vaccines. But we're always advised to have the flu vaccination because uh, it does give us some protection, doesn't it? Exactly, yes. Um, and uh, the flu virus um, we, is... Uh, uh, remade every year because the flu uh, virus uh, changes a great deal. Although um, this virus has the potential uh, to mutate and change, it doesn't look as if it is doing so on anything like the scale uh, that, that the influenza virus does, um, which is a really good sign in terms of um, uh, making a vaccine. It may be possible to make a, a single vaccine that will uh, uh, give protection against a whole against the the full range of coronaviruses um that have, have developed since the pandemic started without having to make a new one every year so that's good news isn't it yeah, i think that's good news yes could you tell me one of the stories that people see on in the newspapers and is discussed is that a lot of people had a, a viral infection at christmas or around christmas time where they lost their taste and smell and they felt very unwell and they had a, a cough for a long time and some people say oh well maybe that was uh, coronavirus and has been around for longer than we think what what's your opinion of that I personally think that's um, quite unlikely. Um, we can. This is a, a virus that's very new in the human population. There's no evidence that uh, uh, humans encountered this virus at all um, before um, the end of December last year. Um, so I think that uh, we can show um, by looking at the sequence of the virus and mapping how it uh, uh, how it's changed subtly um, as it's as the people the infection has moved out from China and into other places um, and it seems very unlikely it was here um, uh, or any other parts of the world um, before um, emerging in China at the end of last year. Thank you very much. And um, it, it, it does seem to be more serious than ordinary flu, because a lot of people think, well, flu's here every year. Why are we making such a fuss? Um, I think you're making a very good point there, um, because flu can be very serious, and, and particularly for um, people with a, a weakened immune system, which is why it's so important to have the vaccine. Um, it's hard to be quite sure how um, what the uh, the risk of dying of this new virus is because we don't have very accurate measurements of how many people are infected in a particular community because that depends so much on how um, each government has deployed its testing. Um, but the best estimates suggest um, uh, um, around. Um, 
uh, one in a hundred um, uh, people may uh, die from um, infection with this virus, which is significantly higher than for influenza um, by uh, one or two log orders of magnitude. Um, and uh, so I, th I think, uh, so the feeling is that we had, although it, flu can also be extremely nasty, um, particularly when a new strain for which people have very little immunity um, comes out. Um, we, the evidence suggests that this virus um, causes um, a lot more deaths than uh, a bad uh, influenza epidemic would. Thank you. And, and one last question. Please, can you explain what the um, term herd immunity means? Yes, that's um, it's a it's a very interesting concept, <laughs> and it's mostly used in in the um, concept of vaccines. So a, a good example is the measles vaccine, which is a really good vaccine and elicits very powerful immunity that protects people against measles for a, for a very long time. But measles is highly infectious, much more infectious, in fact, than this um, new uh, coronavirus. Um, but um, so that it doesn't, uh, so that we depend a lot on herd immunity. You have to have um, a high um, uh, proportion of the population who have either had measles naturally or have been vaccinated and have antibodies against measles in the circulation as well as T cells against the virus. Um, and when that number drops, um, the virus can start um, spreading. So the herd immunity means the total number of people in a population who need to be to have immunity to a particular um, virus or other pathogen in order to protect um, the vulnerable people who for various reasons can't be vaccinated or haven't been vaccinated, which as I say is, is very high for a really infectious virus like measles and is probably quite high uh, for this virus, although we don't, won't be able to um, say exactly how high um, for a while until we understand more about it, um, about this particular virus. Thank you. And I'm sorry, I said largely, but I've said, you've made me think of, of something else. We think um, that this virus um, is easily spread by droplets, really. And that's the main way of spreading it. And that's why we want to keep as far apart from people. Yes. Um, so, so a droplet infection means that you can um, spread the virus um, by coughing or sneezing over somebody in very close proximity. But the virus doesn't stay in the air. Um, and the virus that stays in the air is, is referred to as an aerosol infection. And that is, is really difficult uh, to, um, uh, to, it, to prevent yourself from catching an aerosol infection. But a, a droplet infection, as long as you don't, um, uh, you're not close enough to somebody uh, for them to sneeze directly or cough directly over you, um, is, that's a very high degree of protection. But we know also that this virus uh, will live uh, for a uh, um, uh, some hours on surfaces um, so that if, if people cough or um, uh, have hands that are contaminated with the virus and then touch a door handle or um, uh, some other object, that object can stay infected um, for some hours, um, possibly 24 hours or more. Um, and that can infect somebody else who touches the object and then touches um, around their face and mouth. 
um, and that can lead to infection as well. So that's why the, um, the recommendation for hand washing is so important. Because uh, not just because you might have done something, but because you might have uh, leave it all over your house or leave it all over your workplace um, if you yes. have. Or somebody else might have left it on uh, um, a, a, something that you touch um, in, a, in a bus or an underground or in a shop. Um, so that's. Um, being sure that you've washed your hands before um, you put them anywhere near your face is really important. Including eating, of course, yeah. Including eating, yes, blowing your nose, um, uh, yes. Um, so those are, uh, so that's um, the, the, the risk of a droplet infection um, is, is mostly directly from people coughing and sneezing, but also from inanimate objects um, where the virus can live for a, um, a for some hours and this really is my final question unless there's anything you really want to say but why do why is it that sometimes if you've had a viral infection like a cough or a cold you more easily get a secondary let's say a bacterial infection on top so you go from having a viral infection that antibiotics won't help to needing antibiotics after the viral infection I think that's a really good question and it's not always very well understood. Um, it's very commonly seen um, um, with bad uh, outbreaks of uh, influenza that people will get a bacterial uh, pneumonia on top of the flu and that's um, more serious than the influenza has been. Um, exactly how that happens isn't quite clear, but one uh, thought is that the um, virus uh, damages um, the cells uh, in the surface of the lungs and the rest of the respiratory tract. Um, the first, and that, that actually then makes it easier for bacteria uh, to find um, a place to live. But to be absolutely honest, um, the, 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 the mechanisms aren't entirely clear. So no one really, really knows. Um, and it doesn't seem to happen so much with this coronavirus, apparently. Is that right? No. Um, as far as people understand, um, it's uh, the, uh, the, the respiratory problems that a few, a minority of people will get with this virus um, are uh, due to an inflammatory reaction in the lung. Um, so it's due to an, an, uh, an overreaction of the immune system um, causing uh, inflammation in the lung rather than a direct infection um, either by the virus itself or um, a bacteria, bacterial infection following the virus. And, and we uh, should stress, as you clearly said, that it's a minority of people who get these problems. It is a, it is a, yes, definitely a minority. Um, for most uh, people, it's, it's, um, it's going to be a lot uh, less uh, than one in a hundred. Um, but the proportion of people who are, have had severe infection from what we know from China uh, goes up uh, dramatically um, as people get older. So above 70 um, is, uh, the, the risks are, are significantly higher than, for example, in the, um, the under 40s and 50s and something that's quite uh, surprising uh, a lot of um, really nasty infections uh, cause problems with um, older people but they also cause problems with the very young as far as we can understand uh, children um, 
can get infected with this virus, but they are very, very rarely develop any kind of symptoms and certainly don't get any evidence of severe disease at all. So we don't really know why the children uh, do so well um, with this virus. Um, that's uh, that's unex unexpected um, and so far unexplained. Well, thank you very, very much for making everything so so clear. Mm -hmm.